Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get to interview amazing heroines on their journey. And we all get to learn how they got on that journey and what happened to them on that journey and um, hear their story. And today, Sandy Schroyer is with me. Hi, Sandy. Hello. Thank you for being my guest. Sandy, through the miracle of Zoom, <laughs> is in Montpelier, France. And how wonderful to be there and be able to talk to you like you're in my living room or I'm in yours. Yes, it's great. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And let me just say a few words to you all about Sandy and you will hear such an interesting story today and it might even prompt you heroines out there to do something similar to what Sandy and her husband did. So she retired from her professional career on January 21st, 2022. And I think I read somewhere in reading about in your blog, I think, Sandy, 38 years of work. Does that sound right? 48. 40. My gosh. All right. She that was a long time. <laughs> a long time. And she retired the next day. She moved with her husband. And your husband's name is? Bill. Bill, to Montpelier in the south of France. And we'll talk more about that. But right now, think Montpelier, south of France. I think it's the Languedoc. Am I pronouncing? Yes. Languedoc, yes. Region of France. Her jobs, so this is when you were still working, mm -hmm. included cooking for hired ranch hands, serving as staff psychologist at a community mental health center, performing various leadership roles in healthcare firms, managing a lot of highly successful sales executives, and selling technology and services to health systems and health plans. And that's a wide range of diverse <laughs> skills, starting with the cooking for ranch hands. The best part of her career was people those who became lifelong friends. And let me just say a shout out to our mutual friend, Jeannie Ross Waite, who connected us. Um, when she told me about Sandy, she said, you're in for a treat, Susanna. <laughs> so far, I totally agree, Jeannie, if you're listening. So best part of her career, people, those that became lifelong friends. I like this next one. Those who irritated her, into learning lifelong lessons. And of course, yes, that's 
they're said to us, right? So that we can learn those lessons. And their names shall remain unsaid. Yeah, we won't talk about, we won't talk about that. And Jeannie, you're not one of them. No. And those who taught her things through their kindness and genius. Her superpower is connecting people, whether it's professional networking, introducing friends to form their own friendships, or just figuring out who might like to know someone she knows. She never tries to miss an opportunity to have fun. Sandy and Phil traveled full time during the pandemic before moving to France. So they lived in Airbnbs in Raleigh, Cape Cod, Savannah, Santa Fe, San Diego, Hawaii, Santa Rosa, Portland, Seattle, Denver, Dallas, and Austin. Sandy, there's nothing on the East Coast. Oh, Raleigh, Cape Cod. Sorry. Yeah. You didn't get up to Maine. We didn't make it up to Maine. We would love to have gone to Maine. We love that that whole area, but we, we just made it as far as Boston. You only had a year or so. Right. So Sandy writes about her life at www.romeinretirement, R-O-A-M, inretirement.com. And she's a regular guest blogger on renaissance.com. And these will be in the notes, um, the podcast notes. But Sandy, why don't you tell me, tell us what renaissance is? Am I pronouncing it right? You are. You are. It's it's really a great organization. It was founded by Danelle Taylor Nizou, who was a, a California girl who moved to Paris, met the love of her life, married. And after, I don't know how many years in Paris, they moved to Montpellier, um, where they uh, had two children and live. And having gone through learning the language, getting the visas, getting citizenship, figuring everything out, she decided to make a business out of sharing that knowledge and experience with others. And she and her team, she and Alex, her husband, and their team were instrumental in helping Phil and me make this move as smoothly as possible. And we're still working with them to work out things. Right now we're working on um, finalizing our French tax return and doing some required um, notifications to the government of the apartment we bought. Also, uh, French bureaucracy is daunting. So they've been extremely helpful to us. And so they kind of hold your hand through all oh, yes. somebody to call and ask questions of. So I think we should get to why the heck are you there? So <laughs> this is your heroine's journey. And of course, Phil being with you was a joint journey. But but the way heroine's journeys start is that they're in their normal environment or life is going on as it usually does. And we call that ordinary day. Or some people would call it their comfort zone. And you're traveling around. So retirement, people usually travel and you're traveling around the United States and it was the pandemic. But then how did it happen that one of you went, oh, well, we could cross the, over the ocean and go to France. I mean, how did that? That's what we call the call. And mm -hmm. so what was it for you, the two of you? It actually started earlier as I was getting into my, what, mid to late 60s and thinking, well, at some point I'm going to have to retire. What am I going to do? 
And I, I had no idea. I mean, when I thought about retirement, it was like this gray haze. I just couldn't imagine what I would do. Phil, my husband, is an artist, and so he knew he could be happily engaged forever. But for me, I didn't really want to volunteer. I tried that and didn't like it that much. Um, you know, you can only have so many dinner parties. What was I going to do? So I started thinking about nomadic retirement and looking for insights online, you know, searching like we all do on the internet, who's done it, how do they do it? And I came across a blog uh, by Lynn Martin. Uh, she and her husband, Tim, had sold their house, gotten rid of everything, and started traveling full-time all over the world, living one, two, three months at a time in each place. And then she later wrote a book called Home Anywhere. And I bought the book and made Phil sit down with me every morning over coffee and every evening over a cocktail. And we read this book aloud to each other because it seemed to me that adventure was calling. We had already had a little adventure when I took a job in Boston. We both grew up in Oklahoma and we had lived in Oklahoma and Texas all our lives. And so moving to Boston was a big leap for us. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. We lived there for about eight years. So I was thinking about that. Phil got on board much quicker than I expected. Um, his only caveat was I'm not selling the house. We had bought a house in Wimberley, Texas that we loved. And we had it exactly the way we wanted it. And he had a wonderful studio in the backyard behind the house. So he said, well, I'm not selling the house. I said, okay, well, let's just start making some plans. And so I put a spreadsheet together. And one of the things, incidentally, that the spreadsheet did was it showed, here's what our financials would be if we sold the house. Here's what they would be if we kept the house and rented it out. And that I used that to convince him that we should sell the house. The beauty of a spreadsheet. Right. <laughs> How many spreadsheets have been used to sell it? Exactly. Can I just ask you, though, could you say you said it? You said adventure was calling. Yes. And so could you even say that your call to go on this journey was adventure? The call. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the year that I think it was the year that I started this um, in our family every year at the end of the year, we choose a word to kind of guide our intentions for the coming year. And that year, of course, my word was adventure. Um, and we had a great adventure. We were waiting because we were in the middle of COVID, but we just got tired of waiting. And we started thinking, you know, if we travel in our car, and we stay in Airbnbs with contactless, you know, entry. How's that different from staying in Texas? Right. And so we convinced ourselves to do that. And then, then what happened? This was really cool. Um, in August, I had convinced, this was August of 2020, I guess. I had convinced Phil to sell the house. And so we contacted the realtor who had sold us the house. She took the, the um, she took it on. Uh, sent the photographer out to do the photos. And the night before the house was to go on the market, on the listing, we got a full price offer. <laughs> and so, you know, we thought, okay, the universe has spoken. <laughs> a sign, you know, when the doors start opening and not closing, you know, you're on to something. Yes. 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 Okay. So. 
And so we knew that eventually after I retired, we wanted to move to France. But in the meantime, um, we had talked about doing a grand retirement tour and, and our roaming days ended up kind of being that. So most of the places that we stayed a month at a time were places where we had friends or family that we wanted to see. That was just a, a, a happy accident, really, that it worked out that way. And so we hit the road. Um, we, we loved it. We, we had our, our, we had a sedan car filled with my giant monitor for work, our giant coffee machine, we're, <laughs> our espresso machine, and Phil's art supplies, and maybe a few clothes, and that was about it. So let me ask just the, so people are thinking, did she not have pets? No pets to worry about? That's a sad but happy story. So we had our cat Baxter, who was the head of household. We absolutely adored him. But we realized, and we toyed with the idea of taking him with us, but cats are not good travelers. They don't really like that. And so I made a little flyer um, that where Baxter explained his situation and sent it out to some friends, who sent it out to some friends, and a couple that we had met a few times who owned the fused glass art studio in our little town had just lost their cat to old age. And so they came over and met Baxter and fell in love with him, as anybody would, because he's the most lovable cat ever. And so today, Baxter is the general manager of the Fused Glass Studio. He is a star. We went to visit him um, last fall, and he remembered us, which was really nice, but he is so, so happy there. That was the heartbreak, but it, it ended up well for him. But it was tough. That was the toughest part. And I know that your son is also living internationally. So that wasn't an issue that you were leaving close family behind and missing them. Actually, our, our daughter lives in Europe. She, she lives in Stockholm with her husband. Our son lives about 25 minutes from where we used to live in Texas with his wife and daughter. And so that was very difficult. Um, we did. We were roaming when we found out they were pregnant, and we had already planned our move to France. And we had to say, "Yeah, we're going to have a granddaughter, but we're still going to move to France." So that was that was and continues to be tough. But thank heaven for technology that allows us to do video calls like this one. You know, we can we can see our granddaughter regularly and talk to her, and she recognizes us and recognizes our voice. She's still a baby. And so it's all worked out well. But yeah, it's hard to be away. It's hard to be away from all of our people, our, our, our extended family and our friends also. But then I read in your blog that when you were back visiting, after you had moved to France and then you were back visiting, you were homesick for France. Oh, we were. We were. We went on a very long trip. We took a transatlantic cruise to New York. That was 15 days. Then we spent a few days in New York and then we went to Texas and Oklahoma um, and saw tons of friends and family. And it was fabulous. It was the most wonderful trip we've ever done. But we were homesick for our home in France. It really is home for us. Well, so then. So then let's talk more about the journey. So when people decide they're going to do something, make a leap, like move to France. 
there are, as you're contemplating it, as you're doing it, once you kind of cross that threshold, we say there are voices inside of you and also people around you who have dire warnings. <laughs> you won't like it. The French people won't like you. Um, when are you coming back? When are you coming? Okay. So that happened to you. You oh, had the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, and how, how did you deal with it? What did they know, say? I think we were so sure about this move that it gave us an, a, a confidence, a level of confidence about what we were doing. And we didn't feel that we needed anyone's approval or blessing. And we respected, of course, people's opinions and, and those who thought, yikes, you know, this is really scary. So many people said to us, you're so brave. And my response to them was, no, I'm not brave at all. I'm just not afraid. <laughs> you know, I think bravery is doing something when you're afraid to do it. And we weren't afraid. We just weren't. Our son said, well, it was, it was pretty fun. At first he said, oh, cool. And then when he realized we were serious, he goes, well, what about your house? Well, we'll sell it. Well, what if, what about your cars? Well, we'll get rid of them. Well, what about your stuff? Well, whatever you don't want, we'll get rid of. Well, what if you don't like it? Then we'll do something else. Uh, yeah. You know? This is so good to go through this for people who are probably thinking something similar and having the same questions. So you, you made it past the threshold guardians, and then you were there. And we know that on journeys... You arrive and you're on the road of adventure and sometimes good unexpected things happen and then sometimes bad things happen. And how was it once you arrived and you're making your home there and any interesting episodes to relate? Well, first of all, uh, we did make we had never been to Montpellier when we chose it as our future home. But before we came, we did do a one week reconnaissance trip to just make sure that we loved it. And we did. And through Facebook, there were a couple of Facebook groups with, with Americans who are living in Montpellier, who, when I said, hey, we're going to be there for a week, is there anything we should be sure to see? There were a couple of people who said, well, hey, we'll meet you for coffee or lunch or something and share our experience with you. And so through that and through Renaissance, we arrived with a little bit of a built-in, The I guess the the framework for a built-in social network, which was just amazing. Um, we moved into an apartment that we had never seen. Our Renaissance consultant found it for us. And our, our, our um, landlords who lived in the two levels above us, we lived on the ground floor, uh, turned out to be lovely friends. Uh, in fact, um, <laughs> They, they used to bring us cakes, home-baked cakes, and she would have me over for coffee, and we'd speak Franglish together. She helps me with my French, and she'll, she'll be a lifelong friend. Um, the negatives, the uh-ohs that happen are very, very minor. For example, um, fortunately for us, Texas is a state that does a driver's license exchange with France, and so we didn't have to take the classes and all that. What we did have to do was get a mug shot and fill out a bunch of paperwork and send that in. And, and Phil's got approved and mine got rejected because of the photo. 
So somebody said, well, you know, you kind of have a pleasant look on your face and they don't want you to smile. Maybe you need a non-smiling photo. So I got a second photo done that looks like I'm an ax murderer and they rejected that. And so finally somebody said, you know what, on the, on the little square where you signed your name, the loop of the Y on Schroyer goes out of the box a little bit. Maybe that's the problem. Sure enough, it was. <laughs> and how would you ever know? And now I'm wondering, because I've driven in France, and I'm, well, how's the driving? How are you finding it? <laughs> well, the driving is interesting. We, in last April, we ordered a car. We wanted an electric car, you know, just for environmental reasons. So we ordered a Hyundai Kona and it was supposed to be delivered in July. Then it was going to be August. Then it was September and on and on and on. And finally, in January, we were like, let's just make an appointment with the dealer and see what the options are. So we did. And we ended up buying a, a bigger and more expensive car than we planned to. It was a Hyundai Ionique or Ionic, I guess. Uh, five. Um, and it's a beautiful car. We love it. It's great for drive for, you know, road trips. <laughs> but when we bought our apartment, we closed on our apartment and we were so excited. We had a bottle of champagne. We, we, our plan was to come to the apartment and toast to our new place. So we, we, I'm driving, we go into the garage and it's one of those, you know, circular uh, drives. And I noticed that all along there, they have this like bubble wrap stuff on the sides. And we found out why, because we kept bumping <laughs> the sides. We finally got down to the bottom. We were both white. And I said, Phil, we're down here, but I don't think I can get it into the garage. And because we have a garage down there in the garage. And if I get it in, I don't think I could get it out. He goes, do you want to just go home? <laughs> I said yes. So white knuckled again. We we made our way back to our to our old apartment, and so today our garage is used for storage, and we park on the street. <laughs> and this is because my understanding of that story is because ninety nine percent of the cars in France are really small, tiny, so yeah. that if you go anywhere, it it behooves you to be in a small car. And let me just share with you that when I last went to France and I was with Jeannie, our mutual friend, and we wanted an automatic, not a standard car. Mm -hmm. And all that was available was a station wagon. <laughs> we said, sure, that's fine. Oh my gosh, we had the same, oh yeah, it was way too big for most of everything in France. But yeah, yeah we learned that lesson. Yeah. yeah. So we have a couple of little tiny dings um, already. So we picked up our car the end of January, I guess. Um, and the first time Phil drove it, we went to, uh, we were going to a restaurant or a concert or something in the heart of town. And we forgot to fold in the mirrors, you know, the side mirrors. And so we got a little scratch on the side mirror. And then another day we were stopped behind a line of cars at a light and got rear-ended by a van. So we have a little tiny ding there. But we just said, you know, it was bound to happen. Now it's done. So we don't have to worry about it. So here's the big question. I'm sure in people's minds. So you moved to France to live there. Do you speak French? 
Un petit peu. <laughs> I speak French about like a toddler. Um, I took classes twice a week for about five hours a week for the first 10 months, I think. And then I just got sick of it. Most of the people in my class were, were high school and college students. So I was like their grandmother's age <laughs> or their great grandmother's age. Um, and I was tired of the structure. So right now I'm just doing some online things. Phil is in private lessons and he is making good progress. Last weekend, we went to a nearby town, Carcassonne, uh, for a special luncheon. And everybody at our table, there were, I guess there were eight of us at our table. Everybody was French. Nobody spoke English. And we kind of muddled through. And Phil even made a joke at the end of the meal in French, when he said, Where's McDonald's? <laughs> and did they think that was funny? They did. Or... <laughs> yeah, they did. They so did. then that prompts another question, because again, having been there and knowing that food is wonderful there, is has that worked out for you? Are you searching for McDonald's or are you happy no. to eat what's in the local market? We are so happy to eat what's in the local market. I love to cook. I cook virtually every night. And the the freshness, freshness of the produce, the lack of preservatives and chemicals, um, I just think the food is, is both more delicious and healthier. And the wine. So where we live in Languedoc is the largest wine producing region in France. And we can get really good bottles of wine for less than five euros. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so heavenly. Yes. Yes. And when my uh, son-in-law comes to visit this week, he has requested, we love to cook together and he wants to uh, cook with me to make uh coque madame, you know, the, the French sandwich with the um, bechamel sauce and the egg on top. So when you were talking with me earlier and you mentioned it, and I'm not remembering her name, the woman who kind of inspired you. Oh, Lynn Martin. Mm -hmm. Lynn Martin. And she traveled around with her husband mm -hmm. and, and ended up living in France as well. Am I right? They spent time in France. They, they spent time all over the world, a lot in Europe, but also in South America, Mexico, um, lots and lots of places. And they did videos, some, and they did photos and told their story. They're, they're a charming couple. He's passed away since then. and She's living now in California. We're friends on Facebook. Another friend I've never met, but how cool is that? That's very cool. And it, it makes me think of what we were saying that, and and I'm 71, going to be 72 in November. Me too. I'm 71. My husband is 70. Just had an accident here. He's okay, but he fell and now he's recovering and he's recovering yeah. really well. But it prompted us to have those conversations about, and we do, about, well, when you die... You know, this is good. It just all of a sudden, it makes you conscious of life is short and we need to talk about this. And so, yeah. you had said to me about Lynn's leaving, having her husband pass. And so, to be in another country and lose your partner, there you are. And you said that you and Phil talk about this. Oh, yeah. 
we talk about it. We're, talking about death isn't creepy for us. It's it's kind of interesting, really. Um, it's just the the culmination of a life. And we've talked about it when we first got here, or soon after we got here. I my opinion was, if you die first, I'm staying. This is where I'm going to live the rest of my life. What would you do? And Phil Phil said I would probably go back to the U.S. Well, fast forward today he's staying as well. I mean, if we're lucky, you know, we'll die together in our sleep. But if that doesn't happen, whoever remains will continue to live here. That's our plan. It's it's um, interesting what age and the passing of years mm -hmm. does to you and to your thinking and your preferences. And But I think there's so much about what you've done, Sandy, that's about, okay, here I am at 71 and I am gonna live my life just the way I want to and get the most out of it and you're doing it yes yeah. yes we're doing it you know but many many other people are doing it too and I, I read a I read the coolest thing this morning it was Anne Lamott's commencement address to UC Berkeley from 20 or 30 years ago and what she was urging the the graduates to do was find their bliss you know find what moves your spirit and it can be simple it can be complex but find it well we kind of found it late you know we were in our late 60s when we figured it out um, I worked for many years in a career that had lots and lots of blessings but was it my bliss? No. Phil worked as a graphic designer, um, but his bliss is painting. And now he paints for joy. You know, we, we found it. I just hope that other people will find it sooner because this is, this is, we are living our best lives every single day here. And it's just wonderful. We're so, we're so fortunate. And so how would you, um, advise people to find their bliss? I mean, what would you, what's the way to get there? That's a great question. Um, the things that come to mind for me are journaling. I think that's a great way to kind of tap into that inner wisdom that we carry around. Uh, I think looking back and thinking about when are the moments of the greatest joy for me, when has it just been effervescent? <laughs> um, and, and look for patterns. You know, what are those things? Um, our first trip to France was in 1993. And the only reason that we came here was because it was my frequent flyer miles. So I got to choose. Phil had believed the stereotype that French people are snotty and they don't like Americans, which is absolutely not true. And we both absolutely fell in love with France. We have wonderful, wonderful memories of that. And, and all of the subsequent trips created such great joy for us that, you know, it probably should have been easier to figure this out than it really was. Yeah. And, and still, does adventure still call to you? Or do you feel like I'm having the adventure here every day? It's both. It's both. Adventure still calls to us. We love traveling. We love exploring new things. Um, one, we've traveled a lot in our first year here, almost too much. 
And so we consciously decided that we would travel a bit less this year, which, you know, buying a, an apartment and renovating it uh, makes that kind of easy to do. And there's so much discovery. I mean, when my kids were little, we, we raised them in Dallas and we used to take Saturdays and pretend that we were tourists and, and go discover things in our own town. You don't have to travel all over the world to find it. But if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that, it's, it's icing on the cake, I think. But yeah, we, we still feel adventurous and we are still traveling. We have a trip to Lyon uh, in, in June to celebrate our, 42nd wedding anniversary and we plan to try to eat that weird food you know Lyon is known as the capital of or the food capital of France but it's also known for awful all the the lizards and gizzards and <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> I know you're being open-minded I'm sure <laughs> maybe Sandy I I need to bring our wonderful conversation to a close I still have more things I'd like to learn from you. Maybe we'll have to do this again in a year from now. How have things changed? How have you changed? But I want to ask you to, to end our, our talk together today. People listening, if there's one thing that they remember from this conversation, what do you want them to remember? Life is short. Do it now. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> so, Sandy, dear friend who I've never met, but it'll happen. Yes. I I thank you so much for being with us, for sharing your wisdom, sharing your adventure, everything about um, you and your blog. And I know you're on LinkedIn. I will put in the show notes. Um, but just let me say, if if people want to get a hold of you, like I want to talk to that woman and see and ask her some more questions. What's the best way? Is that your email? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I I stay up on email regularly, so I would get that. Yeah. So I will tell people it's Sandy Schrover. So S A N D Y S H R O Y E R at gmail.com. And That's again, right. It'll be in the notes. So I can't thank you enough. Well, Susanna, this has just been a delight. Um, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat with you and, and with your audience. And um, I will see you very soon here in France, right? Well, pinky swear on that. <laughs> Say hi to Phil. I will. I will. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLillard.com and visit the website at SusannaLillard.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve. <laughs>